Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. Glad to have you here with us today. I'm excited for today's episode. We actually have the youngest guest we've had on the podcast before. I'm sitting here with Spencer Ramsor, 22, ripe age of 22. You just turned 22 yesterday, man. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Do you feel older and wiser? Uh, not really. I'd like to, but not really. <laughs> Listen, man, I'm about 11 years ahead of you, and I'll tell you, I don't feel any older or wiser oh, yeah. than when I was 22. Yeah, I hear you. I hear <laughs> Which you. might be a good thing, might be a bad thing, but uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today, man. Thanks, thanks for making the drive. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Now, for some of our listeners who might not have been introduced to you yet, might not know who you are, I'd love for you really quick, introduce yourself, tell them who you are, what it is you do. Yeah, well, obviously, my name is Spencer Ramsor. From Hickory, North Carolina, born and raised, 22 years. Um, I'm an insurance agent, so sell life, health, and Medicare for the insurance group. I've um, been doing that for close to three years now. Nice. Um, so, you know, just out grinding away as and, an agent. Absolutely. I mean, you have to go on the grind. I want to jump into that story a little bit on how you kind of landed in the insurance world because right. kind of looking at your bio really quick it, and you kind of started off college thinking like and eh, there needs to be a, a, a way to make money right. and the fear of the nine to five which a lot of our listeners could probably resonate with right. not that they're afraid of the nine to five it's just yeah. that they know that there's more to life than it so um i'd love to kind of jump into your mindset and unpack kind of how that transition happened man yeah so um i guess i'll start from the beginning uh in uh high school you know played golf for a uh you know, since I was 12. So played golf all through high school was a little successful. I mean, nothing like, you know, outrageous, but, uh, got a full ride to a uh, Catawba college, went there for a year. And I was just tired of, you know, texting my mom, be like, yo, can you pass me a hundred bucks? And I just, and I, school just wasn't my thing either. Um, so I really, I was decent at it, but it was just, it just wasn't my thing. So I, I didn't really like it. So uh, I was just out on the golf course one day and met this dude. His name is Brad Mundy, and he's still he's basically my mentor now. And uh, he, he introduced me to the business, and I thought about it. It took about six months for me to finally pull the trigger, and I just went out and got my license on my own hmm. and uh, just gave him a call. I was like, hey, I'm ready to do this. He was like, well, let's rock and roll. What was the um, resistance for the six months? Because you see so many things out there, especially like – I don't know, especially on a commission only 1099. It's very tough, especially going in as a 19 year old kid, mm-hmm. not knowing what you want to do with your life and stepping into something that's just, you know, you have no idea about. It's so, scary, man. Yeah. Cause <laughs> I, I, I knew absolutely nothing what he did every day. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, let's do it. Yeah. So was there any guess, um, you know, cause like success leaves clues, right? And there's usually hints to, you know, the, opportunities on the other side so having the fear of you know jumping into something fresh and new um not knowing much of the industry much of the business you say this this person being your mentor did he have i guess maybe i mean you're meeting him on a golf course right i imagine was there anything about him that made it 
look desirable that he's like, hey, I want what he has. Or I want to kind of follow in those footsteps. Yeah, so he has a he has a pretty big agency. He's got over seventy two agents that work under him. So and he just manages those people. And he's been doing this for twenty three years now. So he's grinded away for ten years to build up his business where he can now just manage it mm-hmm. and pull strings where he's not out there, you know, grinding from seven o'clock to seven o'clock every day. Yeah. So he's uh you know, he's got you know, it's not it's not even really about the nice house and cars and stuff like that for me, but he always drove a nice car, had a house, nice house, and his wife didn't work and two kids. I mean, he just lived a life mm-hmm. and he had no nobody point telling him what to do. Yeah. He he was pulling the strings and he was guiding the arrow. Um, so, uh, but that's kind of what, um, really got me attracted to it. And, yeah. he, and he told me, cause I was working, so I left college without having a plan, which was really not very smart, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it is what it is. Um, so, and then I, so I just did some online classes trying to figure life out. So, mm-hmm. I, and then while I was doing online classes, I had two separate jobs. I worked at the golf course where I met Brad. And then I worked at Dick's Sporting Goods at night. So I was working like 10, 12 hours, you know, mm-hmm. about four or five days a week. And he was like, dude, if you just put the hours into this, it's like you'll blow up. Yeah. So, See, that's um, so scary, man. I want to unpack that really quick because some of the listeners might have missed it. You're working two jobs mm-hmm. while going through the training. Now, a lot of us do that because you you left something that a lot of people would, I guess, look at as prescribed. I mean, you're in college, you're, you're, you're doing kind of, I mean, what my mom and dad told me to do, what a lot of parents told them to do, you know, you go to college, get a degree, get a job and you're in the process of that. You leave that comfortable, uh, playbook, right. And you go on your own. However, I think subconsciously we still hold on to something comfortable. So working those two jobs at the golf course, Dick sporting goods, that consistent income is kind of like that, uh, that, that, that comfort. So you can kind of build this on the side. However, your mentor comes at you and he's like, man, just cut the cord. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and, and I think the reason I, I held on to that, like, I didn't really have any bills. Like, I didn't have, there was no reason for me to be working two jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I could have gone through the course and, you know, went and did all my training without working. But, you know, love my mom to death and all, but she was just, she was not into this whole idea. Um, yeah. She was not into it and, and, you know, still living there with her and hearing that every day. Um, not that she was negative, but just she wanted to make sure that, you know, I was going to do, make the right choices. She wanted to guide me in the right way. So she didn't want me to leave. Yeah. You know, not that it was a ton of income, but mm-hmm. having some money come in every, every week. So, yeah. Um, but I think that's natural too. I mean, and, yeah. and like my parents are the same way. Right. They they don't want me to leave anything comfortable. Uh, right. When I first was getting into TV, they were like, "You want to leave a law firm job to go seven hundred eighty miles away and right. you know try this thing?" And and you can understand the fear because the parents just want their kids yeah. to be safe and okay and make a good living. But you know, also when you talk about leaving the nest, you got to spread your wings and fly and uh, kind of go after the things that that you kind of feel towards so you cut the cable um your mentor tells you to go Mm full-time what's the ride like when you started that um so even before i started full-time so i got i did the whole 20 hours went through the whole background check and everything and then one one night i messed up Uh oh and uh rent you know got it got it i got a dui and uh so that was big big 
crusher for me Man. and my parents. Um, and that kind of set me back. And Brad was like, it's not a big deal. Like, let's keep moving. But it's just like, I was just holding on to that. And like, me and my parents didn't talk for like four months when that happened. Um, so it was just, uh, I don't know, it was a big crushing feel at 19. I mean, it's like, dude, you just screwed up. And I thought it was that. I thought it was the end. Um, but Brad just kept telling me, he's like, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. And I just wouldn't listen to him. But then yeah. finally it clicked one day, and I was just like, you know what, leave that leave that stuff behind. You screwed up, big deal. Let's yeah. go on forward. And so I started full-time. And uh, so what we used to do, we used to go, and they fill out a lead card that we'd mail to them and mail it back to us. We'd go out and knock on people's doors all day long from 9 o'clock till 8 o'clock at night. So that was really tough for me at first because I've never done anything like that. And how long did you do that for? For about 10, 12 hours a day. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And uh, so when I started, I was working two-year-old leads. So they filled this card out two years ago. (laughs) Two years ago, and I'm showing up at their house talking to them about it. They're like, who are you? Yeah. So the first week, first two weeks, I think I made $144. (laughs) working that many hours i'm like dude this can't be it this can't be it mm-hmm. and brad was like just, just hang on dude like keep putting in the work it'll, it'll come it'll come and uh so i just kept putting in the work and and so i didn't really start making money till like month three mm-hmm. but then it just you know skyrocketed and really so um that first year i made six figures and just by knocking on people's doors. Now we do, we do things a lot different now, but that's how it was then. <laughs> so let's jump into that, man, because I want to know what those three months taught you. Because 10 hours of rejection, I'm imagining. Mm-hmm. I mean, you said the first week it was 100 and something dollars the first few weeks. It was one sale. One sale. And I used to be able to hit anywhere from 30 to 35 doors a day. Oh, man. So I'm getting told. So out of two weeks of hitting 35 doors a day. Six days a week, I got one yes. Oh, my God. So <laughs> I used to canvas uh, when I was in college just to try and make some money right. here and there and knocking on doors for, you know, getting some information for politicians and stuff. Did you have, I guess, a method? Because, I mean, when I was walking through these neighborhoods knocking on doors, there's somewhere like, I'm not walking on that. I'm not knocking on that door. I'm not walking up here. Yeah. Or like, ooh, I look at the car in the driveway, yeah. they're going to be a sale or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, was there a method to it or did you just like go down the list and whatever was there you went? Yeah. So in the beginning, in those first three months, I was very judgmental on who I'm going to go knock on the door. So if there's any type of dog or anything, like obviously I wouldn't go knock on it or it's like not the nicest of house. I wouldn't go knock on it or they're sitting outside. I just drive right past their house. <laughs> like I did not want to do any of that. Cause I was just, I was so nervous. Like I'd literally, yeah, I would literally be standing at their door shaking. Wow! Like it was so nerve wracking because I don't. I'm not a very, you know, I don't talk to people a lot. Like I'm very introverted and yeah, and everything. So uh, it's a, it surprises people when they when I tell them what I do for a living. <laughs> <That's> so, <awesome. laughs> but yeah, it was a, it was very nerve wracking. I was very judgmental. But after those three months, you can't judge anything. So I would really just go after it and. Um, cause you never know who's going to say yes. Mm-hmm. So even if they did tell me, no, I just hop in the car and go on to the next one. Did the nose become easier to deal with over time? Oh yeah. I used to get mad at first. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you take they, it personally? Oh yeah. yeah. You filled out this card two years ago and now you're telling me no, like, come on. And in my head, I was just like, that is dumb. Like, like, yeah. come on. I'm, I fill out the card. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but now that I look back on it, it's just, 
I wasted so much time getting bringing my energy down mm-hmm. on those nose than rather you know keeping my energy up and just waiting. For yeah, that, for that yes. Dude, um, I love that story because I think it's it's really a kind of a, a no rain, no rainbows tale in terms of, you know, first three months knocking on the doors. And um, I want people to pay attention to the momentum right. that that you experience, because for anybody who's pushing something right now and they're not seeing the fruits, um, typically the biggest prize is on the other side of when you're ready to quit. Right. You know, just when you're ready to give up. Um, there's a book which I haven't read that I need to read, which kind of talks about this concept called Three Feet from Gold. And it's pretty much just when you are ready to quit is when your treasure is right on the other side, just three feet away. So I commend you for pushing through because just when you're at that point, the momentum almost takes off. And it I'm not saying it becomes easy, but it, it just becomes a different animal and the fruits start to come out. Oh, yeah. So after the three months and you're starting to make money, I, I'm interested to know how the transition was for you personally. Mm-hmm. And I'm also interested to know what how the transition was for you and your family. Because like you mentioned, mm-hmm. your mom wasn't a big fan of you quitting the job at first yeah. and stuff like that. And then with the DUI, which... Yeah. Kudos to your mentor for keep kind of like reiterating, like, it's not that big of a deal, man. Keep yeah. pushing, keep pushing, keep right. pushing. Because when we have those instances, especially when we're young, we think it's the end of the world. Yeah. You know, and we put so much weight on these things, not knowing that, you know, time will erode those mistakes as long as we keep pushing forward. So I'd love to hear what that transition like was for you and how it was for like your family as they're starting to see this transition too. Yeah. So professional side of things, I let the whole my personal life go every day and just focused on, you know, my job, making money, building, you know, a business. And my personal life was not good. So me and my parents were not on good terms. Yeah. It was like, it was rough for like years, like two, probably, probably up until like last, last summer, it was rough. So, um, I was just, uh, so I would just be like, you know, just continuing to, you know, be rebellious and mm-hmm. really not listen to them. So I'd go out drinking with friends all the time, come home, and and my mom was just like, you're throwing your life away, like you need to get together. And like, I'm so hard-headed, I was just like, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. Like, I just, like, I'm, I'm making my own money and stuff, but I was like, but I'm still living in your house, so, like, I need to get my stuff together. So uh, moved out, and I still was just doing, you know, dumb stuff mm-hmm. all the time and finally one day it just clicked and like so i mended i started mending my relationship with my mother um you know we're on good terms and everything and it's it's good now but um and that's really when my business started like my production started taking off really? once i got because even though i didn't think about it it was still weighing me down when i'm out working with people and people can tell like no matter if you put a smile on your face, they can tell when something's like still draining you. And these people had no idea who I was. And I remember one lady was like, "Are you okay?" Because I would just smile and I looked down on a paper, and she was like, "You just seem, you know, pissed off or mad at the world or something." And I was like, "No, I'm fine." Even though like yeah. there was there was some darker issues going on in the personal life, so um, it you know my my production was. You know, I was doing enough to, you know, be be comfortable and make, I mean, make a good living. Mm-hmm. But 
it just took off to where, you know, once I mended those relationships with my parents and mm -hmm. stopped the drinking every night and doing dumb stuff, it really just, you know, took off. And What was it that made that switch for you? Because I know um, there's typically there's two catalysts for change, right? Sometimes it's um, a wake-up call. You know, unfortunately for some people, it, it, you know, it could be a DUI or it could be, you know, something happening that scares scares them straight, right? right. Other times it might be like a meditative state or maybe just kind of like a decision where like, hey, you know, maybe I should turn around because you almost get a glimpse of like, if I keep going this way, this is where I'm headed and I don't want to go there anymore. Yeah. What was that switch like for you? Was it something that was like a decision made in the blink of an eye? Was it more of a transitional thing? When was it when you were like, okay, this isn't serving me anymore. Let me rekindle the relationship with my mom and, yeah. and kind of like go back in this direction. Yeah. So it takes me a while to make a decision. Uh, I'm not a very fast like decision maker. Obviously it took me six months to even get into this business when he, <laughs> you know, but uh, I remember my mom, before I moved out, she was like, I don't want you around my family if you're going to continue to be like this. And uh, at the time, I was just like, oh, that's whatever. Mm -hmm. Then after, you know, three, four months, I was like, dang, I need to change. Like, that, like, crushed me. Mm -hmm. And so I just, you know, not that, not that I don't go have fun with friends and stuff, but that whole change of not doing it all the time and everything like that is just – and you know, thinking about my decisions before, you know, everybody says it, but think about it before you make them. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, it was, it was, that, that was, that was, the, I think the turning point whenever my mom said that, but it didn't click in my head till like four months later. Yeah. And I commend you though, because there's a lot of growth that, um, you know, I think a lot of us go through. I mean, I can't tell you how many times my mom would look at me and be like, Ted, you're killing yourself. Yeah. Like, me going out with friends, me coming home smelling like alcohol, yeah. and you know this is all happening while I'm living at home with my mom. And right. then when I moved out, she's calling me, and to this day, if I go home, mm -hmm. <laughs> like I'm a grown man now, yeah. but if I'm at my mom and dad's house, if I go out meet some friends, I'll come home. She'll call me at midnight. Like, when are you coming home? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I'll come over at like twelve thirty, one yeah. o'clock. She, she, I walk in, she clicks the light on. <laughs> Where you been? <laughs> <laughs> like alcohol yeah. but i mean naturally they worry about us right and yeah. when we start you know doing certain things that they don't approve of it, it does hurt them but i do want to make sure that you know you have grace because that yeah. that is part of the growth process yeah, i'm hard-headed also yeah so i couldn't listen to my mom when she was telling me you know you shouldn't go out drinking with your friends on right. a tuesday night yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know i'm like well yeah. my friends are all doing it yeah so. but you know ending up seeing something greater or seeing something that is more important to you on a Tuesday night than those drinks or right. than hanging out with the friends where it sounds to me like you were looking at, Hey, the relationship with my mom is more important than the relationship with my friends at this point and making that transition. Yeah. Let's talk about the enjoyment or the, you mentioned the, the business starting to really kind of ramp up yeah. after that. Um, are you kind of rolling on all cylinders now? Are you heading in the right direction? You feeling good? Yeah. You know, what's, I guess, the, the magic sauce that was cooking right then? Yeah. So um, we, uh, as I mentioned in the beginning, we're with the assurance group. And, and Brad actually owned his own agency before, um, before we partnered. We partnered with him July 1st. Nice. Um, so he had his own agency, and he was just like, we need some help. You know, it's never, never a bad thing to ask for help, you know, mm -hmm. to build your business and everything so 
Um, first month, I think I was fourth in the company um, in production, and then last month I was number one. Um, so it just took my, you know, production to the next level and everything mm-hmm. like that. Um, but really, it's just been putting in the hours, putting in the time, because there would be weeks, there days actually, where I'd go out from. I'd have my first appointment at, you know, seven thirty, eight o'clock and I wouldn't get home till nine o'clock and I'd come home empty handed. Wow. Yeah. So my biggest week with the assurance group so far was just under twelve thousand, but there was two days where I went home with nothing. I went home with zero. Yeah. So I was just putting in the hours and not giving up. Um and one of the agents that works for me, her name's Stephanie, she called me and she was like, This isn't working. You know, I can't do this anymore. I got bills to pay and stuff. I was like, you're only one week in. You're already giving up. Like, come on. Yeah. And then, you know, the next week she wrote like $3,000. And I was just like, just that little, this, that little conversation of having her keep going and everything. It was, it was, uh, no. So, so I really, you know, just over time putting in the hours, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so <laughs> don't just, don't give up. I want the listeners and, and the watchers on YouTube to kind of make sure they listen to that. I wrote down, put in the hours because, I mean, we live in a society where people open up the microwave before it hits zero, yeah. right? We we post something and we get almost instant gratification. And those likes come in or the video views come in. And we live in this world where things are instant. So when we hop into a business, and let me be clear. If you're hopping into, whether it's insurance sales, whether it's a YouTube channel, a podcast, and you're thinking you're going to close six figures doing it off the bat, what makes you think you're going to make as much as a doctor when they go to, right. <laughs> they go to school for yeah. years? You know, uh, when, when success leaves clues, the main clue and the main breadcrumbs you see is the hard work and the time that people put into it so you put that time in and you're and you're working and you're starting to see the fruits of the labor uh, have you seen a lot of kind of agents come and go because of their inability to, to kind of just be patient or put in that time yeah so there's uh they say that uh 92 percent of insurance agents quit after year three wow so there's only eight percent that actually you know continue to do it and, and there's more there's they say there's more millionaires in the insurance industry than any other type of business industry oh my um, God, my resume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so just just to think it's crazy that only eight percent last longer than three years yes yeah. they have the you know the perseverance to um push through the hard times because it's it's a grind some days so oh, i'm sure man um, so I want to talk while I think we have maybe another five, 10 minutes in the podcast here. Um, while you're, you're going through the growth and you're getting the partnership and stuff, mm-hmm. um, you're going through, you know, a period where your rainbows are starting to shine there before the podcast, you mentioned you've made a few mistakes and I'm sure we probably covered a couple of those. Yeah. Um, what's one of the biggest storms that you might not have mentioned yet that you were you were thankful to get through one of the biggest, I guess, obstacles on the journey that kind of sticks out as a, as a story some listeners might might get a kick out of. Yeah. Um, so. Well, I wasn't going to I wasn't going to tell this, but I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. Um, <laughs> so back in September, I had this lady file a complaint on me um, because she didn't get her refund quick enough because um, she took out a policy with me and. 
it takes like 30 days to get your money back, mm-hmm. um, which, which is, you know, you have a 30-day free looks, which is fine. I'm fine with her canceling. She filed a complaint with the Department of Insurance, and they, you know, did the whole thing of, anyways, they went through the whole process and, and, and you know, tried to prosecute me or whatever. Um, so we went to court and everything, and obviously I was found innocent. Um, but that was a tough tough pill to swallow is when you're just trying to do your job and you know yeah. somebody's just trying to mess up your world yeah um but i remember i remember i told my mom she was like how are you just so calm about it and everything i was like they're just trying to bring me down but i'm gonna keep pushing yeah and uh so uh that was that was a tough one but you know i just kept kept grinding because i knew you know that mm-hmm. i i'm steady with my with my goals and who i am so yeah. um you know, I'm never, never out there trying to mess anybody up. I'm just trying to help people. So, yeah. um, I appreciate you sharing that because one of my very first mentors, and I don't know if he said this because he was the head of the law firm that I was working at, mm-hmm. but he's like, I was, I guess we were kind of off the cuff talking about, you know, growth and success and everything. And he laughed because he would always tell me, oh, this is a high class problem or that's a high class problem. Right. Like it's a good problem to have. Right. Yeah. And, um, I was talking about, I was running a website at the time. Mm-hmm. Just started running my first website and how I had to put the policy stuff on the bottom because I didn't want to get sued. And he right. laughed and he says, if you ain't getting sued, you're not doing a yeah. good job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. per my first mentor, you're, yeah. you're doing good. <laughs> He's like, that's a good problem yeah. to have, but yeah. let's not do that yeah. too much. No. Um, so looking ahead now, Getting through your storms, man, what are some of the rainbows you're chasing, um, some of the things you're working on now to prep for the future and, and push yourself to that next level as you grow your business? Yeah. Um, so, I'm, you know, I'm looking to help, you know, any insurance agent take their, you know, career to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what we have at TAG, at the insurance group, um, really gives you all the tools to, you know, do it because mm-hmm. um, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of different companies out there that can really kind of just, you know, throw you out in the field. And then, you know, that's, that's one of the main reasons that people fail in the first three years because they don't have the proper guidance and everything like that. Um, so, you know, my main goal is just to, um, you know, help insurance agents succeed. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's why, um, when recruiting and everything like that, you know, I spend a lot of time training them and everything like that and making sure, because I'll, Stephanie's one of the, one of the ones I'd spend the most time on, and mm-hmm. she, you know, I text her every morning. I, I, let's crush it, because that's just you know sometimes a little text in the morning just helps somebody just you know keep it going. But yeah, that's my goal. Um, me and Brad are looking to grow an agency, um, you know, get big and you know help people build a build a solid career. Because um, I think any type of sales, mm-hmm. I think the insurance world is definitely one of the best ones. Um, as long as you put the work in, then you will definitely see the fruits yeah. of your labor. So, yeah. um, it's, it's nothing like any, any other sales job, but so. I yeah. love that. What's one of the key, um, tips you'd give somebody in terms of sales? Cause you know, I've followed some, some people and I'm, I'll, I'll say this much. Anybody that's listening who's like, I'm not a salesman or a saleswoman, like you sell every day. Yeah. Like that's, <laughs> yeah, that's what you do every day. So it, it can only help you get better. And that's a skill I need to work on. And I, I try and kind of take some tips here and there. So I'd love to get just one tip, one little tangible tip you'd give somebody just to better their sales process a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
just help them. I mean, even if they tell you no, they didn't show up on that car lot or they didn't, you know, fill out a form online about insurance to be for you to show up and, and them say no and you walk away. Um, so just helping people. Um, once you start helping people instead of trying to make that dollar, then the money starts flowing in. But once you start putting that, how much I'm going to make, how much, I'm, you know, what am I going to do? Then, you know, it's, it's rough. So just take you out of the picture and just help, help some folks. And then, you know, you'll definitely be rewarded. I love so, it. Yeah. Focus on service. Spencer, how can some of the listeners, maybe we have some ambitious watchers right now on YouTube that are, are looking to maybe hop into the insurance uh, mm-hmm. industry. How can they reach out to you, contact you a, yeah. a, and learn more? <clears throat> so they can either, either uh, give me a call or text at uh, 828-217-9478 or they can shoot me an email at uh, S-T-R-A-M-S-E-U-R at assuregroup.com. Love it. And we'd love to have a conversation with you. So Nice. And I'll be sure to have the, the number and the email address yeah. in the show notes. So anybody that's probably listening to the podcast on their Apple uh, iTunes app or the podcast app, they can open it up right there and probably tap the number right now and, yeah. and send you a <laughs> message. Um, I appreciate you being on the show, man. And I think there is so much value in, in your story because – when we talk about no rain, no rainbows, it's not always about the the bad times to get to the good times. It's also right. about the work that's required yeah. to get the fruits of our labor, right? right? So knocking on all those doors, spending that time growing and, and getting over that hump to build the momentum of a business, I think, I, I mean, I commend you on that because I think a lot of people are afraid of that initial work that it takes. Right. So I appreciate you, man. I'm excited to see uh, some of the, the rainbows that are coming yeah. for you in the future. Appreciate you having me on, man. Absolutely. Anytime. <laughs> and, and to the listeners, I think there's a lot of value to unpack in this episode. You might have to play it another one or two times, but uh, just some of the, the tidbits. I love it when you said there was no reason for me to be working two jobs. A lot of times we, we hold on so tight to the security in our lives falsely because when we actually have the utilities and the ability to fly. We just paint a picture in our head that resists us from doing so. Also, you can't judge anything. I did it when I was first knocking on doors. I never got past that because I didn't knock on enough doors. But uh, eventually, you can't judge a book by its cover. Every person is a potential sale. Uh, I think it was, uh, what's his name? Um, Grant Cardone, who says, where's my money? Who has my money? (laughs) He's like, I talk to strangers because strangers have my money. Um, And also, putting in the hours. You got to put in the hours, whether it's a craft, whether you're a piano player, violin player, a singer, uh, a rapper, a poet, um, or even if you're a janitor, a, a nurse, whatever the profession might be, insurance agent, you need to put in the hours if you want to get to a level of expertise in it. And of course, seek proper guidance. I know, Spencer, you've offered the ability to help some other folks get to their goals. If you don't have the proper guidance, you're going to spend a lot of time and money learning what you need to learn. So getting a mentor, having somebody uh, there to coach you is definitely going to help you along the way. So guys, as always, I hope you enjoyed the tidbits that was in this episode. I appreciate Spencer taking the time, making the drive to be on the episode. If you enjoy this podcast, do us a favor, share it with a friend, somebody who needs to hear this. Also, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you can get our episodes every Wednesday. And we'd love to have you as one of our patrons on our Patreon page. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe and support the podcast for as little as one dollar a month and if you feel so inclined 
leave us a rating. Let us know how we're doing. We love to improve and get better each and every single time. We love to have you guys. Hopefully, you got some value from this. And as we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain. But you can't have the pleasure without a little pain. Let's grow. The No Rain, No Rainbows podcast is recorded at Camaraderie, a collective workspace in Greenville, South Carolina, right off the Swamp Rabbit Trail. If you're looking for a place to grow your business, network with other professionals, and establish your own workspace, Camaraderie is the place to do so. Get access to high-speed internet, private showers and towel service, free methodical coffee, and free beer on tap. For more details, be sure to head over to camaraderiecowork.com or hit the link in the show notes and find out how you can lock in your space with rates starting at just $99 a month. Be sure to tell them that Ted sent you and try it out for free. You never know, you just might find a new home at Camaraderie. Let's grow.